0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. It is good to be with you. And I've got my coffee ready finally ahead of time. Oh, my goodness. Yum. Mm. I used to call this uh, program Grounds and Grace. <laughs> um, coffee grounds, that is. Anyway, um, this morning, uh, I'm ge- for a couple more weeks, we're going to do a few more of the sessions uh, that we shared in our forgiveness conference a while back because there are so many sessions. I think 25. That's right, 25 sessions in this conference. And so I'm sharing some of them with you on these Wednesday mornings. Um, this um, Today's guest is Richard Murray. Richard's been on with us for many, many years. Uh, um, Episodes. Um, in fact, I think uh, Bill and Richard and I are going to uh, do a recording on Friday for an upcoming week. So we're going to start to get back in the routine. Um, if you have individuals that you would like to see interviewed or hear from, hear their lens on a certain topic of of how we continue to grow in grace, a, a particular topic of deconstruction or renovation, uh, or how to understand, here's an example. Uh, I did one with Richard on prayer. How do we deal with prayer? So, um, especially with a new lens, instead of trying to beg God for something. Um, so I, I uh, I, just give me your, 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 uh, uh either mess private message me or email me. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll happily uh, uh, take a look at who I can interview and, and get their insight in, and their lens. Because I think we need everyone else's. We can't just, um, if you eat at McDonald's every day, you're going to get sick and it's going to get bland. But if we spread out the restaurants and, and take in from different places some fine cuisine and then you have mac and cheese. Like when it comes to eating spiritual food, there's great value and try new things. I had somebody uh, make me try sushi once. I'd never had it before. But this clever, wise person bought this platter of all kinds of sushi and let me try, and (laughs) permission to not have to finish, (laughs) uh, certain kinds of food. And I did like a bunch of it, and I really didn't like a bunch of it. So um, I think with the spiritual food, hearing from another person's lens, even from some people we disagree with, Or think that they may have a really uh, different perspective on a category of theology uh, in one department, but really deep in another that how can they think that and believe that? So welcome to the mystery of the body of Christ. Let's not become dogmatic, let's become teachable, let's become open, let's not take shots at one another if we can possibly help it, there just isn't a need, there's way too much good news to share. So today, um, forgiveness, it may not be what you think. That's what today's topic is. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, I'll be watching with you here live. Uh, Mike Craig, hey, good morning to you. And Rebecca, good morning to you. Great seeing you on here. Uh, but I hope you learned something from this because uh, the last couple of weeks, the, the, the theme of forgiveness is has been so powerful. And I hope it's going to hit your heart like it has mine. I'm really looking forward to rehearing this one because I remember when I first heard it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. So it's two-parter. Today's part one, next week part two. All right, let's dive in. I think you're going to love this. Comment uh, along if you're watching, if you're able to. If you're watching later, comment and let me know what you think. All right, talk to you guys right after this interview. I'll be right back, but I'm watching here with you live. All right. I've been waiting a long time, Richard, for this one. <laughs> um, j- just so you guys know, um, Richard and uh, um, Bill Thrasher and I, uh, we've been talking with this conference for a little while. And uh, Richard was kind of had a gleam in his eye when I when I started talking about this theme. He said, I've got something I would like to share. And it took him a long time to finally arrive at it. And so this is it. This is like the birth of what I was hoping to hear. As in no pressure on you at all, Richard. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. This topic is so big that, uh, there's so many spokes in this wheel and I am eager to hear, um, what you have on your heart today. And I want to give you as much time without me interrupting, although I'll pop in questions here and
1: there, but uh, sure.
0: what do you got in your mind here?
1: Well, forgiveness, uh, i as I've gone down the road with this thing, I, I've seen that forgiveness is the issue, but it's also not the issue. And uh, the older I've gotten, the more that I have begun to see that uh, un- unforgiveness is an illegitimate dynamic. It is a bastard dynamic that has no legitimacy from heaven's eye. Now, we, we approach unforgiveness as thinking, well, that's a choice. You, you you've sinned against me. Uh, I don't have to forgive you. But if I do, I'm being graceful and I'm letting God do it. Uh, and all this. But I, I, I'm beginning to see that that's really nonsense. As long as we l- try to talk about it like it's a legitimate feeling to have, we're going to make room for it to linger and to languish in us and to fester in us. We have got to take no prisoners when it comes to unforgiveness. And the biggest beneficiary of that is us. Mm. All right. I, I'm, I see that the, the biggest problem that's keeping the body of Christ from growing is because we harbor unforgiveness slash judgment slash condemnation. Mm. Now, again and again and again, Paul refuses to judge. It's, it's not my place to judge. Now, it is his place to discern. And I'm not saying, you know, our, our role is to come in and discern, to comfort, to educate, to prophesy. You know, in the Old Testament, prophets were full of unforgiveness and full of condemnation. The wrath is coming and this and that. But in the New Testament, you know, Paul says uh, prophecies about comfort, consolation and exhortation. And the, the point is that it's not, it is and it isn't our place to forgive. And I know that's confusing, but it's really not when you think about it. We don't sit in the seat of the judge. We are here to facilitate the goodness of God and to facilitate his goodwill. We leave all of that to God. We leave the judgments and the forgiveness issues to God. But here's the thing. If we're honest with scriptures, we're going to see that there is no unforgiveness with God and that there never has been any unforgiveness with God. <laughs> there, there, there began a delusion in the garden, an Adamic delusion, a damned and an Adamic uh, <laughs> distortion in the garden. You're, in, you're in a punny about, role, man. <laughs> that was about the nature. That was about the nature of God. when they when they disobeyed and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, the, and and he said, you'll die in that day. Well, well they didn't physically die in that day, but they died. Their vision of God, their connection to God died that day. And immediately their, their sensation, their, their, their angst, their fear, their dread came upon them and they hid, they acted like God. You know, I've always wondered with the, uh, you know, in the garden where, uh, can can I ask you a uh, quick question?
0: Yes. Um, that is in my world. And I think from you too, you've been part of the exchange life uh, family and, and, and kind of were exposed to that. They would have said, and, and I, I loved it. I bought it hook, line, sinker, but the deeper I grow, I'm realizing it's, I don't think it's true. They would say that your spirit died, right? Not what, what, what died to your well Physically they didn't die. And so your, your spirit died, but that's impossible. Spirits don't die. So can you just quickly touch on that one more time? Because I think that's a big one.
1: Well, I, I, and I guess it would, it would uh, uh, that's, a, oh, that's a big question. Because, okay, you know, if, if, I, if I, it's
0: I, not for today, it's fine.
1: Well, I do believe, you know, I do believe in spirit, soul, and body. And I do believe that, um, uh, that uh, the spirit is our touch point. And, but see, for the Hebrew, the concept was more death meant separation. If you look at their literature and how they define death, we were we're in death if we're not in relationship with each other Mm. all right so death has more to do with separation than it does with you know cessation of bodily function up here though yeah so yeah
0: because they're referring to our spirit being actually dead and then when we pray and receive the life of christ then we have life but what's the life running us outside of that
1: well it's it's a good question and um you know, there was a fracture in our being. There is a okay. fracture. And, and that gets back to the unforgiveness thing. Okay. The unforgiveness, we invented unforgiveness. Mm. God didn't invent unforgiveness. We did as a fig leaf to justify our hiding from God. Okay. See, we can make ourselves look like the heroes in the Garden of Eden by just saying, so look, God was, you know, a Satan. And some people do this. Satan is really the hero in the thing. He comes in and he shows that God's trying to hide something from us. And look at God. He cast him out of the garden. I don't believe anything under that uh, under the Old Testament delusional mindset that has the wrong image, a mixed image of God. We have to reverse engineer it and and inject Jesus back into it and then let these stories kind of filter out so that we understand them better. And, uh, you know, just to quickly answer your question, you know, with the spirit. I don't have a problem saying if, if by spirit you mean our connection to God was broken or fractured. Yes. Whatever okay. that means. That makes sense. In terms of it di- dying, you're right. How can something that's eternal in us, it, it's the spirit that's eternal. It's the breath of God. How can that die? Yeah. You know, but I think we can cocoon it. And that's, I think is a better way to look at it. It's cocoon. This cocoons it. Mm. And we're, we're supposed, this is supposed to be led by our spirit. I'm pointing to my belly here. Cause you know, that's where the spirit generally is. You know, the scripture says it is in the belly, in the range, in the middle of our being.
0: I got a you know. big spirit.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but anyhow, um, getting back to the garden, uh, they both developed angst, you know, and let's be honest with each other. There is a corporate angst in all humanity. Look on Facebook. You'll see it. Look, look, look at politics. You'll see it. Look in society. You'll see it. Look in the courts and you'll see it. Look in politics everywhere. You'll see it. People are insecure, they're angry, at, a, at the drop of a hat, they have road rage, cosmic road rage, where they're willing to, in, in, uh, in the heat of the moment, turn on anybody to, and also condemn themselves. And it's um, there's something insecure in us that needs to be unveiled. Um, and I'm, I was gonna get into it later, but I think it's a good metaphor now. It's the Wizard of Oz, you know, what is the song? Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't already have. Hmm. I'm going to propose today that we already have forgiveness. All right. But uh, Tin Man didn't know he had forgiveness. And he needed a behind-the-curtain look from just a guy, from just a dude, not some cosmic thing, but just a a guy like him showing him that you already – What you're looking for, what you feel inadequate about, what you feel insecure about. They each felt insecure about a different thing there with the wizard, but they already had it. It just needed to be brought out of them. And I want to propose that we are not only forgiven, we're forgiven through the cross, but it also says that he was slain from before the foundation of the earth, which I take to mean that we are forgiven from before the foundation of the earth. Which I also take to mean that in God's in God's image there is no one forgiveness, and there never was. The myth we bought into to justify being separate, to justify death, uh, the knowledge operating out of our own good and evil, we gave up. We get, we to, to just we have to believe a lie about God. I think it was Oswald Chambers that said something about that. The only way, the only way you can really separate yourself from God is to believe lies about you. So we go back and say, when the separation happened, is it? Is it um, um, yeah, the, when when um, when that happened, everyone uh, they separated from God. They became self-justified, and they started blame-shifting it to God. We, you know, we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. You know, you said it, it was the Satan deceived me, and and uh, uh, Adam said it was the woman you gave me, Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and and so they're hiding from him. But my question and all that was. God walked with them in the garden. And I understand it's an allegory, but let's just do it from common sense. Why when the Satan started asking questions, why didn't Adam just say, Well, let's ask? Well, let's ask. He's right here. Father, what do you have to say about this? The lie they bought into really was that he wasn't immediately present there already. All right. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was off doing some other work. So when when and that's the lie that's always with this unforgiveness thing, it's going to justify us separating from God you know i'm not either i'm not worthy you're not worthy we're not worthy but also it's your fault god to begin with and all this does is just put a barrier between us and god so i would argue that unforgiveness is our delusion that we struggle with both towards ourselves and others that lets us sit in the throne of god forgiving you know choosing not to forgive or choosing to forgive forgiveness is not a choice and which is the point of what i everything i'm trying to say today is that forgiveness is not a choice it is an illusion that needs to be shattered It is, it is a toxin that needs to be sapped out. It, we, we have to renounce any legitimacy to us maintaining unforgiveness that Mm. that would be the end, you know, the end thing. But uh, did you want to ask something?
0: Yes. Um, I'm wondering about a lens of viewing this, like what I may not have talked to you about is in my forgiveness conference that I teach, I, I begin with quoting, you know, definitions of forgiveness, which, come from various backgrounds and creates a beautiful tapestry of what forgiveness can be. And I think it's amazing. But then I got, I get into the vertical forgiveness because the conference is a lot about the horizontal. This is going to be about relational forgiveness between us, but it has to be prefaced with the foundation that we are already forgiven. And I think I'm hearing you scream this, and it's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Like, I don't think anybody else has really covered that much in the conference so far for this conference. Um, but I know I give an entire session to like a machine gun of awesome. This is the love of God, not to shoot you, but to 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 shoot love into you, to inject you, you know, with uh, the truth from scripture. It's blatant and clear that we are forgiven. So there's a the vertical and then there's a horizontal relation between you and I.
1: And one will affect the other. Exactly. And we forgive as we've been forgiven. But here's the thing. We should never have been unforgiving to begin with because God <laughs> was never unforgiving to begin with. Correct. That's so, going so, to be
0: a hard pill to swallow for some people.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, I wrote down what I've read, read here in my little outline for this is amazing and little known facts about God's forgiveness.
0: Let's go. Oh, <laughs> let's hear it.
1: <laughs> well, I want to start off. This has been this verse has been just percolating in me and cooking, simmering, whatever you want to call uh, call it. But uh, John's Great Commission, the Johannine Commission of John, that's in twenty uh, John twenty nineteen through twenty three. Um, and I'll read you this version. This I think I, I think this is the ESV version, but I copied it uh, this morning. Um, this is now. Let's, when we normally think of the Great Commission, Mike, we normally think of of preaching, right? Of people going out and preaching the gospel. And and how sweet are the feet, you know, of those that proclaim good news. When we, John's version of it, though, doesn't mention anything about preaching. It only mentions one thing the Great Commission. Now, John, he was the beloved, he was the mystic. He didn't come in here and say, all right, got to speak in tongues, got to heal the sick, Got and, and I praise God for those things. This is what John said. Let me read it to you. And this is this is the incident where Jesus uh, is thought to have walked through the door. <laughs> this is after, this is his first resurrection. Of and parents. this is
0: John 20, 19 to 23 from the ESV? Uh, yes. Okay, I'm going to put it on the screen while you read it. How's that?
1: Okay, that'd be great. Just tell me when you read it. Okay. All right. So, Uh, John's Great Commission, this is also known as the Johannine Pentecost. Why is it called that? Because this is when he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. There's not a Pentecostal experience uh, really talked about in John other than this. Some people say, well, that's different than that Pentecost in Acts. Well, maybe so, but you know what? Different disciples remember different things. So at any rate, this is when they received the Holy Spirit, but it's also when they received the Great Commission. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, when they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold from forgiveness from any, it is withheld. All right. Now, those are some, those are some heavyweight words right there. But I found out a pretty amazing thing. When he says they are forgiven, that is, in the Greek, that's a perfect tense verb, which could be translated, they have already been forgiven. Mm. So whoever you forgive has already been forgiven. Is already forgiven, with, which which means a completed past action with with uh, continuing effects. So, would you would you agree? I think most people would agree that what Jesus Jesus is telling them that they're going to be going to preach forgiveness. That I, I'm I'm not inserting that into the text. That if we take everything that's going on, he just didn't tell people you're just going to go around and forgive people. You don't even have to tell them. Just think it. Have a mental thought. You know, or just pass by a guy and say, "Hey, man, you're forgiven. See ya." It, obviously, preaching is mandated in this. Mm-hmm. So if we just insert the common sense idea of what is it that they're preaching, they are preaching the revelation of the illegitimacy of unforgiveness. They are binding unforgiveness and loosing forgiveness. All right. That is the Great Commission. There's nothing else mentioned there other than wow. forgiveness related. So if this was this important to John, should that not tell us that our real issue, if we put it in a cumulative term, I mean, we can talk about demon possession, we can talk about other things, you know, carnality and and and, and, and uh, sickness and oppression and healings and poverty and lack and all that kind of stuff that Jesus also dealt with. But the heart of the matter is that in the corporate hum- human mind, in the corporate human mind, there is a stronghold of unforgiveness that warps our every view that warps our every interaction. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it's always actively warping it, but it's always there warping, being, coming between us, putting uh, contention between us, put, keeping us from being in unity that Ephesians describes. You know, we're in perfect unity. All right. Well, it's these things. We're being unforgiving. So our unforgiveness towards ourselves, our unforgiveness towards those who've hurt us, and our unforgiveness towards God. We've actually talked to ourselves and then thinking we should be mad at him. <laughs> you know, for can, our condition.
0: Can I read you the um, uh, First Nations translation on that verse? Sure. Yes,
1: absolutely. Please. It
0: says, if you release others from their bad hearts and broken ways, they're released. If you do not release them, they are not released. It's just, it's it's a release. Yes. It's subjective from the person, person's heart,
1: not. It, exactly. That's That's perfect. Because what's withheld, you know, in the version that we read, it said, if you don't mm-hmm. forgive, they're withheld. It's not that forgiveness is withheld from God. It's that they're withheld from knowing it. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the whole thing is we're to preach forgiveness and nothing but forgiveness. So help us, God. It sounds like (laughs) we're to preach we're to preach forgiveness in one form or another because you know, and I and even you know all sorts of people. And I'm not just talking about uh, uh, the psychologists, but doctors and all. we'll, We'll talk about how sickness can come from unforgiveness you know, the tension, the toxins that it releases and all that. So, I mean, we don't need a doctor to tell us that. Um,
0: Some do because they won't listen to anyone else. Well,
1: that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, so let's look at it this way. You know, you know, when you go into an old uh, house that had been occupied in a long time yeah. and all the furniture has sheets on it and everything, everything has a sheet on it. it looks only like, in the know. movies, only in the movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, let's, as as a metaphor, Let's say say we we go around pulling sheets off people or fig leaves. You could say these sheets are the fig (laughs) leaves that Adam and Eve covered themselves with, the leaves that they hid behind. You know, we're to go around because all those fig leaves, unforgiveness is at the center of it. God is angry with us. God has not forgiven us. We're in an unforgiven state. And and because of that, we have to, we don't want, we won't show people our nudity, our nakedness. And that just means vulnerability. That just means who we are. we're, We're ashamed of ourselves. There's a deep sense of shame that's abiding. And Soren Kierkegaard, very famous Christian existentialist philosopher, you know, uh, I mean, he he would tell you that there is a dread for those with eyes to see that all humanity operates under this dark, scorched sky uh, of of us uh, having a deep dread within us. Even when we have good days, even when we laugh, there's always dread, insecurity uh, towards God, just something, insecurity towards each other. Uh, something that that's keeping us from connecting, a prophylactic that's just stretched itself over our whole being that we can't have contact with the world the way that we know Jesus did and the way that we really want to, except, you know, except on rare, rare occasions. This ought to be a daily thing, you know. But so if we so fixate on this idea of unforgiveness, the problem is not choosing to forgive. That's a work. If I choose to forgive, the real and the real way to approach this, I believe, is to make unforgiveness unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You know I've lost however much weight 60 60 pounds or whatever I've lost um, but I, I stopped eating things that were harming me mm-hmm. okay and I, I didn't start to lose weight until that happened and now if I eat stuff greasy stuff or stuff that it hurts me. my stomach, you know can't handle it. And so I stopped eating it and for, my, for my own benefit, and I got better, all right, and, 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 and leaner and, and, and healthier. I had arthritis before this happened. I don't have any arthritis now. It hasn't bothered me at all after I lost the weight. But the point is, this, this is the same thing. Unforgiveness is a toxin that debilitates us, and it diminishes us uh, in, in every way. And no matter how good a Christian re- we might be, even though we harbor unforgiveness, how much better we would be uh, if if we totally, you know, how much better we would be if we totally eliminate it uh, as a possibility. Uh, it's 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 the unthinkable option, and yet we think about it all the time mm-hmm. because we think it's legitimate. We think, well, I've been grieved against; I have the right to be to be to not be forgiven. No, you don't. No, I don't that's putting ourselves in the seat of the judge that's putting ourselves in god's seat mm-hmm. and that's something we, we we shouldn't do and and when we do we're eating from that tree of knowledge of good and evil i'm going to choose whether i yeah, i forgive you or not and if i do then i'm 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 sure god will be pleased with that and i want to do it because he wants me to do it but it's not up to you you don't
0: need to be aren't rights like a aren't, like, aren't rights like a sheet put over top you know yes. it's like yeah. wait a minute we put sheets over things we want to protect things that have value that have beauty over pictures so when you think you're ugly and yucky but yet when that cover comes off and you're a beautiful work of oak art or a painted beauty like oh my goodness you don't even know it because of all these layers of sheets on you
1: yes so we can get the sheets off us and listen i I listen listen i struggle with unforgiveness i'm not sitting here telling you that but but I'm still personalizing it to the particular enemy I may hate. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about attacking the concept of unforgiveness, Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. delegitimizing it, and to so work it in our wiring, in our thinking, and in our emotional thing, to spend some intentional time confessing against it. And I'm going to show you as we go through this thing where Jesus, his whole thing was unforgiveness and unconditional unforgiveness, and it's pretty easy to prove. Now, are there some speed bump passages? There's always speed bump passages, but that's because they this was a new revelation to them. They're working through it, but there are so many clear passages that don't allow for any exceptions that they, in my opinion, far outweigh the ones that might seem to make it some sort of uh, volitional thing on our part. You know, we cooperate. Um, when, when we renounce our right to be unforgiving, I even as I have just thought about thinking about this, all right, mm-hmm. I feel like weight is lifting off of me that I that I've had on me. So I'm I, I think there's some I'm feeling some fruit from this already, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling some spiritual robustness return, you know, because I, it, you know, you can be in return, a place where you,
0: return or becoming, uh, you're becoming aware that it's already been there. Yeah, it's been yeah. covered
1: over with this Too other shady. crap. Touche. That's who we really are. And that I'm so glad you said that because that's going to get into the next point. <laughs> um, OK, now I, I want to show you that. Um, um, in combination with the, with the John verse about, you know, whoever sins you forgive have already been forgiven. <laughs> How could that possibly be? I want to give you another passage that will blow your mind. You know, this is in Matthew, six, you won't be able to put both of them up, okay, that's fine. It, but, but he says the same thing in Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18, in both those places, Jesus tells the disciples, Peter and one and the disciples and the other, whatever you bind or loose on earth shall be bound or loosed. All right. But that's what, that's what the translation says. Guess what he says in the Greek, whatever you bind on earth shall occur, having already been bound oh, in heaven. Oh, my. So so this whole thing is about understanding that heaven's will, what is heaven's view of forgiveness? Heaven's view, heaven's view is it doesn't even have to talk about forgiveness because it doesn't allow unforgiveness.
0: Oh, my. Oh, boy.
1: So, so you see what I was saying about unforgiveness yeah. mattering, and it, I mean, forgiveness mattering, but then again, it doesn't. There is no, there's no other alternative. So there's really nothing to forgive because there is no unforgiveness. Now, is there concern? Yes. Is, is is there grieving by the Lord? Sure. Quenching of the spirit? Absolutely, positively. All right. Th- those things are there. But like, just like we would always, especially if we were all powerful, you know, uh, w- w- when our children would err, we would always take them back. Always. And we would never give up on them. Yeah. And uh I think you've said previously, unforgiveness is an illusion, you know, and that, that. that, but you know, it's like Mark Twain said, man, Einstein, I think it was Einstein, said reality is an illusion, albeit a stubborn one. (laughs) (laughs) So unforgiveness is stubborn, man. I mean, it's stubborn because I've often thought if, as long as we believe in unforgiveness, we have a barrier between us and God. But when we truly believe that, You know, when we truly believe that um, that there is no unforgiveness of God, there's only unforgiveness in me, and only unforgiveness in other free agents. All right, but those that unforgiveness cannot withstand the eternities; it just can't. It is doomed. It is what is uh, it's bleeding out. All right, and it's taken a long time for all this unforgiveness to bleed out. But I think we can bypass, and we can be. You know, I, I know some people with unforgiveness. It's like Moses going in the wilderness. He could have gone straight into the promised land in a few months, but instead they go 40 years because they didn't go in when they had the chance. But it's the same with unforgiveness. Why languish with it for 40 years You know, when, when there's a straight path to it? And uh, I think if we can rewire this in our understanding to understand the benefit that we would get from it, I'm okay being a little I want the benefits of the Lord. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, don't give me anything, oh Lord. You know, just give it to those who need it. No, I I need you, God, now. I need you, I want your blessing right now, now. today, (laughs) here and now. (laughs) I want, I want to be the best person I can be. I want to be uh, you know, I wanna be your son. I wanna know you better. I wanna be like you, you know, and and I'm not ashamed to say that, but unforgiveness keeps us, it quenches our own desire for that. And then and then this 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 scorched sky of condemnation that we're all just projecting darkness up there and just and sometimes I, mean, I was involved in a horrible case of road rage uh, where uh, two people got killed because you know the drivers were battling each other it's, it's just incredible, but how many times do we if we if all our thoughts were known, do we daily struggle with road rage against people we walk with you know or disagree with or theologically disagree with so um, but so I wanted to uh, uh, show that if you go from Jesus's ministry, the King James, you know, his birth announcement, we've all heard this. We hear it every Christmas. What was the birth announcement? Glory to God in the highest. Well, actually, I'm, this is the Aramaic Bible that I'm reading this from, uh, of, uh, of the birth announcement in Luke. Uh, glory to God in the highest and upon earth peace. Good news to the children of men. Mm. all right the king james says peace on earth goodwill towards all humanity okay and some other versions say some different things uh but you know a lot of this stuff when you look at the greek they add it all right and there's different there's different transcripts sometimes that one disciple had a better understanding of a point than another disciple did we need to look for the best we need to go in there and call out the best that everyone had to offer Mm. and if uh, so anyway, so he starts off with his birth announcement, peace on earth. Is, is there any unforgiveness there? No, not, nothing but peace on earth, goodwill towards all. Then we move to his mission statement. And this was his ministry statement. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the Jubilee year of the Lord's favor. All right. Now I added Jubilee, the word Jubilee in there, but every every interpreter will tell you that this is referring to Jubilee. These are the things, uh, these are the things that Jubilee uh, entails: release of debts, complete release of debt, complete restoration of of your of, of your properties. And, and that's what it was in the physical. How much more so? Jesus was declaring. This is the spiritual jubilee, and you know how he finished. You know what he said next after he said that? He said, "Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." <laughs> so he, so peace on earth, goodwill towards man. My man, here's what I'm all about. He read this. He goes in the synagogue and reads what I just read, and then he he shuts the book after he says all that and sits down. This day has been fulfilled in your ears. Did anyone what? <laughs> You know, and then some of them tried to stone him (laughs) after he said that. Uh, But anyway, so so the the concept of jubilee is a is a shadow in the Old Testament, is a type and shadow in the Old Testament of a new uh, of a New Testament reality, which is the cosmic forgiveness, the cosmic unveiling of the of the of the lack of complete, I'd rather say, rather than the forgiveness of the Lord, the complete lack of unforgiveness in the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's, that's wordy. So
0: so would the cross be the great and final Jubilee?
1: Yes. 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 And, and it's a Jubilee mission. It's a, you know, his, his Jubilee, that was the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the penultimate, you know, next to the last thing the cross was but then Pentecost to me would be the, you know, the, the restoration, you know, mm-hmm. of our original pristine, uh, spirit with the Lord doesn't mean we still have our, we still have to renew our minds daily. Uh, but in terms of just our standing and, and the indwelling the abiding, you know, presence of God, that's no longer or chained down. <laughs> it's now free to bubble up, you know, into our understanding and into our bodies and into our thoughts and into our energy levels and all that. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. And, um, uh, you know, and then and then you move on to Jesus's uh, death declaration. What did he say there? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, I mean, they, they didn't even it, ask. I know exactly. <laughs> so so there's no conditionality in any of in any of those things. There, there, nowhere does it say, "I'm here to proclaim liberty, uh, forgiveness for, towards some of you." You know, towards those of you who get on your knees and repent to me. No, he didn't say that. It was unqualified. And then. If you go to the Lord's Prayer, what does the Lord's Prayer say? That we, you know, uh, give us a day of daily bread, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And you pray for heaven's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Doesn't that fit in with what we read a minute ago? It's all aligned, it's all aligned in heaven. And yet, it's,
0: but there's a conflict after the Lord's Prayer with the very next sentence, like Mm. right away there's a, a, a clash of what's implied there. Cause if I didn't have that sentence that's coming, I could understand what you're saying now, but the Lord's prayer forgive as we have been forgiven. Great. That's hallelujah. And then suddenly it says, but God won't forgive if you don't forgive. What? No.
1: Yeah. That's why I think we've got to go back and we've got to understand what's being said in the Greek. You know, you know, like I said in a, in, in, uh, in a moment, uh, a minute ago, um, That, uh, oh, somebody asked me a question that's coming to mind yesterday. Uh, Oh, it was was the passage where Jesus said, uh, someone asked a very good question yesterday about uh, God commanded, God commanded that you honor your mother and father. Um, God commanded that you honor your mother and father uh, or whoever doesn't honor his mother and father, let him let him be put to death. All right. So she said, well, how can that be? He's, he, he, that's the only time he appeared to, to say God commanded someone to be killed. <laughs> no, he didn't. Because if you look in the, in the yeah. italics in the King James on that, that led him, that, that's not in the Greek. That was inanimate. All right. So, 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 what, so what it's saying, what it really says is you honor your mother and father. And we know elsewhere that that's the first commandment with a promise of long life. God speaks in life. What he commanded there was life. All he added to it was, but the one who does will abide in death. He doesn't command it. He just says, but dishonoring them allows death to have access to you. And by death, and by death, we just don't. You know, I'm not meaning biological death. I mean deathly thoughts, harsh, separation, heart separation, everything. Yes, yes. So, so it's a warning, and that's all the law is in the Old Testament. It's a warning. He's not commanding that I'm going to send all these places. You read Deuteronomy 28, and he says he's sending them. He's doing it. But then in the, in, in the new Testament says God doesn't send affliction, he doesn't oppress anybody uh, because they didn't have a differentiated understanding of God and Satan in the old Testament. It so was, a, ty- it it was a, it was a
0: spiritual typo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I know we're probably coming close. Do you you want to cut it here and then yeah. uh, do the second one? Let's do that. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Thank
0: you. That was, that was really good just to hear, you know, for unforgiveness is, is not a concept in God. And when we're living out of our true identity, that means something. That's what I'm hearing it's you invincible. say. Can you
1: imagine? Can you imagine if, I, I mean, I, I even talking about it now, if we could walk in complete, uh, totally evict unforgiveness out of us. Oh God, we, we would be so invincible in a good way.
0: I had a, know? Yeah. I'm hoping to interview my friend, Ken. I hope he says yes. Um, but Ken, my buddy Ken has been through hell and back, uh, like the story of pain and loss in his life, um, judgment, uh, abuse—that has that he's been connected to. Um, when I was telling him about these interviews and this conference, he said, "Forgiveness? What do you mean? We have to—we don't have to forgive. We are forgivers, in a sense. That's how he said. It. This is this is my DNA. So to have to—wait a minute—that means I am not. It's unnatural to not forgive. It was just the way he said it. It was like, dude, <laughs> there's something really powerful to that. You know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that 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 invites the question about the nuances of uh, the nuances of what forgiveness is, because some people, you know, and I, I don't know your friend, but I mean, I'm saying some people might think they've forgiven, but yet it's just more or less a compartmentalization where you know, where uh, just uh, I just I don't acknowledge your existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I really forgive you. You don't
1: exist. <laughs> yeah, but that is a great answer. What he said, I mean, that was a stunning statement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he hasn't even gone to Bible college. Huh. How about that? <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this up. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to the second part. That's cool. Thank you. Okay. Wow, man, that was good to hear. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, I took a couple notes and I got to go back and save some of the quotes. Um, right at the beginning, there was a cool quote from the Garden of Eden of what the leaves and what unforgiveness uh, are compared to. Hoo wee! that was really cool i hope you enjoyed that um share with others uh share the link below and say hey uh if you're trying to understand forgiveness a bit better i think the way richard explained it oh my it was like you there, there's there's no squeaking room around the issue you had a blare right through the doorway of okay i gotta revisit this what i thought forgiveness was it might be something different than what i've been told part two is going to be amazing as well so next week join me for part two looking forward to being with you uh thank you for taking time to join me today out of your day and uh there's a link below uh, at least i will update the youtube link below as well as there's a podcast link below as well so i've always uploaded the audio to a podcast you share that if you're a listener rather than a watcher uh that's that's always there my sunday morning material is always podcasted as well um but i i hope it's a a resource of encouragement too so anyway you guys have a really really great day we will catch you next wednesday morning eastern standard time 8 a.m for part two of forgiveness it may not be what you think so with richard murray we'll catch you all later